Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage, and I'm I'm sitting here with the 13, 13 time, and he, he doesn't want to take a lot of credit. He wants to do all the work behind the scenes and all that time, but the 13 time state champion after Friday night, Coach Manch, Coach Let's be realistic. You're you're nearing Ric Flair status right now. I mean, you're you're getting close right now <laughs> to the Nature Boy. What? But but in all, you know, we try and be make a little joke. But in all serious, Dean, congratulations from from all of our listeners. Um, you know what you guys are able to do at Kimberly, and I I want to speak to this real quick before I let you start. Um, you know, teaching kids about personal excellence and about. Um, watering it every day about being consistent and, and what your program has done with, you know, the three head coaches now won state championships with three different head coaches. And uh, it's just a testament to, you know, the people in the building, the kids that you have, the families and parents that you have. Um, it just shows that, you know, by, by being consistent, anybody can do it because when you guys started, um, you know, there was no indoor facility. There was no, you know, huge weight room by dynamic sports, you know, fitness and, and everything like that. You guys built that. And I just, you know, I sat there and watched the game. And obviously, I think everybody understands what what great friend you are to me. Um, me and me and the wife were on our feet watching the game at the end of the game. And, um, you know, great, great game and a huge testament to McGuanago too, before I let you go to um you know, losing one of the top players in the state of Wisconsin on like the third or fourth play. Um, kudos to Coach Ganavik and all those players. You know, they didn't flinch. Uh, they just kept playing. And just what a what a great game. What a great way to end the high school football season, Dino. Well, Brian, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. It's a very humbling experience. You know, there's so many great coaches that never have the opportunity to even be in that position to be in a state game. So, it's you know, it's always – surreal when we get done and, and you leave that field to think, boy, there's so many great coaches in the state of Wisconsin that never have that opportunity. I just wish every athlete had that opportunity and every coach had that opportunity because we certainly know from a sports performance standpoint that we know how hard athletes work to try to achieve that dream and coaches as well. And uh, it's just an unbelievable experience. It's so awesome to see the kids you know, that that expression on their face and, and, and just that incredible moment of all that emotion that comes out once that, you know, final tick goes off the clock. But again, just like you said, you know, huge kudos to, to all the athletes and coaches at State. And, you know, I want to give a special, you know, kudos to Coach Kanavik. He runs an extremely classy program. You know, those kids are very well coached. You know, they continue to go the whole way. It was just one of those games where whoever had the ball at the end, it seems like was going to be the winner. It's kind of the way it turned out. So it was an incredible experience. You know, those guys are so classy, unbelievable sportsmanship. And, you know, it's hard when you're in that situation and, and you end up losing that game because obviously the goal is to to put that gold ball up. But huge kudos to Mukwanago, incredible fans that they had they had a ton of fans and school spirit and you know what this excitement does to your school culture is so important and, and so huge so uh great experience and, and i appreciate you know 
you look back and you look at the humbling experience and everything you have done, Brian, to help me. I don't know how many times I called you this week and just and just trying to make sure we dot every I and cross every T and and going over programs and just our itinerary for the whole week. And I thank you. You know, you're a huge mentor to me and, and obviously our friendship. And I think our wives probably get jealous because we're constantly talking on the phone, but <laughs> always trying to get better. Well, I think, Dino, you know, one of the things I said on my Instagram story was, you know, find mentors that you can cheer for, you know, and, and chase too, you know, I mean, you know, you set the bar extremely high for, for so many people and, um, but finding a way to find someone uh, that you can genuinely be happy for, you know, when they're successful because of the hard work that you guys, you know, not just you, but coach Mangan and, and coach Hardy and all the people that, that work down in your, your, your weight room, um, you know, coach Jones's wife who takes care of the female athletes and, and so many people over there, you know, you're genuinely, I'm genuinely happy, you know, for, for your success. And that's when you know that you have a, a mentor that um, is, is helping you in the right way. Um, you know, you see a lot of people that other people have success and they get jealous and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I just truly appreciate our friendship and, you know, what we're able to give back, hopefully to a lot of coaches that are listening to our podcast on a weekly basis. Um, it's been a lot of fun and we're going to keep doing it. And we're going to, as we talked before we got on the air, we got a couple of new things that we're going to unleash here with some different coaches and stuff like that. So we're really excited about that. Uh, before we start this, the sharpening your edge version of our podcast, I want to give a huge, 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 huge shout out to one of my first athletes at sports advantage, Amy Davis, who got married yesterday. Uh, huge congrats to Amy and obviously huge congrats to the father of the bride, uh, Barry Davis, both Amy and Barry have been on our podcast. Um, and just really excited. Um, uh, Amy's such a great young lady. Um, Reggie's a great young man that she, that she married. Um, and coach Davis was, you know, very excited. We texted back and forth a little bit. So I'm very excited. Um, I know Dean, your, your, uh, Fox Valley throws uses silver star nutrition, right? Absolutely. So I mean, huge shout out to coach Davis, um, and their family. Well, dog, we've had a couple of really good guests, um, the last, you know, month and we've done a couple of different things, but we want to sharpen our edge a little bit here with Travis and coach Beerbauer and, uh, I think Travis's first topic that we really wanted to cover is something that, you know, we really believe in, and that's in, uh, you know, choosing or uh, the team first mentality. Sorry, I was getting a little ahead of myself there. That team first mentality. Um, and that fell into, you know, Travis making different position changes and, and things like that. Not, I mean, it benefited him right in the long run, um, but he did something that, you know, he came from Oak Creek where he was, I think the sixth ranked linebacker in, in the country um, and end up, you know, switching over the offensive side of the ball, play tight end because, you know, we were losing some tight ends and Owen Daniels and a couple other guys. Uh, but it also gave him an opportunity to play. And I think a lot of young athletes and you, you probably can speak on this as a high school coach. Um, you know, when they switch positions, the first thing is like a negative feeling instead of looking at it as an opportunity. Yeah, Brian, you know, throughout my coaching career, and you know we're talking 28 years now at the high school level. So many kids have had to change positions, whether maybe it's a situation where there's just not a lot of depth in an area, or whether it is probably a best situation for the team. And then we've had some athletes due to injury or something else 
that have had to change, you know, throughout the season and, and learn a different position to, to be able to put themselves or the team in a better situation. So it's very crucial. And I think athletes have to have an open mind when they do this. And you look at the collegiate level, so many of our podcast guests have done that. You look at the Alec Ingolds and, you know, the Garrett Groshek's and, and Travis is obviously one of them, but you have to be able to have an open mind because bodies change, you know, right. athleticism changes, P kids put on weight and all kinds of things. And, you know, there's a situation, I think athletes really have to be open-minded and take that situation and run with it and, and see what goes and comes out of that situation. Because a lot of times it ends up being the best fit for not only the team, but also for the individual as well. And sometimes, you know, if you're resistant to that, I think it's just like if you're a coach and you go and you learn something at a clinic or a conference or you meet with other coaches, I think sometimes coaches get so set in their way, Brian, that, hey, we're not going to do it that way. We're not going to do it that way. Instead of having an open mind and thinking, okay, this works for this place or this school or these athletes, can I take something out of that and incorporate it in a it into our setting, to our athletes, to our program. And I think when you look back, I know when I was young, I made that, you know, that stubborn mistake is no, we're going to do it this way. You know, th this is the way we're going to do it. And now as I get older and I know when we have conversations, Brian, I try to think of something and try to think about other box right? And, and try to get, you know, in that uncomfortable situation. We tell our athletes all the time, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I try to put that into my coaching, you know, when I put the coaching hat on as well and say, okay, yeah, this isn't exactly how my brain interprets this, but I, I like something out of that. So how can I take that, kind of make it our own in as way the strength and conditioning is evolving, you know, maybe that is the competitive edge, Brian, that you can bring into your program. And I think athletes, coaches both got to think that way. So many people are, you know, we, we have the situation where everybody's got to be sprinting right now. You know, it's a 10 meter flies and we got to sprint, sprint, sprint. And then you have, you know, the powerlifting realm and then you have the bodybuilding. You have all these different, you know, ways of, hey, this is the only way you can train kids. You know, there's a lot of ways you can train kids. And again, that's why I really like the conjugate system, yep. right? Is because you can take that conjugate system and you can change it so much, but yet, you know, what works in one place might not work in your place, but the art, I think, of strength and conditioning is, or in coaching as well, is how can we take some of those things that we learn out there and not just go as extreme, but bring some of it and kind of find that happy medium. Well, I can use an example that that happened to me in my coaching career, Dean, and you know the story really well, right? Um, you know, Coach Bielema was like in his second or third year as, as a head coach. Uh, we made a change in the strength and conditioning department. Uh, he promoted Coach Herbs, Coach Herbert, who's now at Michigan, you know, to to be the head strength and conditioning coach. And and obviously, I'd coached Ben, um, and he was an intern, um, and he got promoted, you know, over me. Um, uh, you know, and I could have put my head between the sand, um, and, and, or, or left or pouted. And I'll never forget the conversation that, that Ben and I had, and it, it resonates with me. And, um, you know, I was like, Hey, we can do something really special here. 
you know, I want, you know, and stay on board and, and let's do this together. And, you know, we ended up winning three big 10 championships, you know? And so, um, was I happy? No. Did I want to be the head strength coach? Absolutely. I wanted to be the head strength coach, you know, who wouldn't want to be, you know, but it was an opportunity and, and, and we got to work together and, you know, we built a great friendship that we talked, you know, wishing him the best of luck this week. You know, it's going to be probably a house divided over here. You know, I'll be rooting for him and, you know, wife, you'll be rooting for Ohio state, but you know, at the other day, you never really know in situations of change, unless you just dive into it. And I think kids need to learn that and just dive into the opportunity that you're given, um, make the most of it. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you're never going to know unless you really dive in. And, and Travis obviously was a great, um, you know, role model or spokesman for the, for that, because he just like wanted to get on the field. He wanted to, he wanted to contribute and, and he wanted to make the team better. And he did it by obviously giving himself a better chance too. So that was great. And Brian, what, what's really amazing about Travis, you know, being ranked the number six linebacker in the entire nation, you know, I think most individuals would be like, no way am I going to change a position. I'm right. sixth best in the nation. Right. Today's yeah. day and age, they transfer. They, they would be gone. Yeah. With the transfer portal, they would be gone. And I think that's where athletes, it's hard because you get so set in your ways. And I think as coaches, coaches get set in their ways, right? They're only going to run this offense or this defense, and they don't evolve because they've always done it that way. Athletes, hey, they've had success in the past, but success in the past doesn't guarantee you success in the future. Right. And that was one of the things Coach Jones was so incredible at when he was in our program as the head coach because he was always talking to me, what can we do? What can we do to get better? You know, I think we can get better in this area. What do you think? Let's go to this clinic. Let's go to this conference. He had that mindset of thinking out of the box, even though we were having incredible success. It's like, hey, we, we can continue. There's more. There's loopholes here that we can get better in our program. And I think that's not everybody's mindset. They're like, well, we're winning. So we're going to just keep doing what we're doing. I think you got to keep getting ahead of everybody else and ahead of the curve and try new things, and don't fear failure. Don't fear failure. And that's why Coach Jones, you know, came up with his book, Twin Thieves, because too many people are afraid of failure, and they're afraid of that judgment. You know, what if we try something that doesn't work out? Well, we know as strength and conditioning coaches, we are always tweaking with programs, you know, program design, different types of exercise, anything. And if you're afraid to try new things, you're not going to get better and evolve. Shameless plug on the Twin Thieves there. Shameless plug for Coach Jones and his book. But I think well the deserving. Yeah, yes. I think the, the coolest, you know, kind of way you guys look at that is you go, you want to be a moving target. Yes. Right. You always want to be a moving target, right? Um, because if you just keep doing the same things, you're just right there and you know, people can get you and you're always changing, always evolving. Um, which you guys always are. And I think we always are at Sports Advantage too. Brian, quick kudos, you know, the straight championship, first of all. Huge kudos to Coach Mike Woods, yeah. you know, coming into our situation and, and doing what he has done is, is just an incredible, unbelievable job on his part. But I want to also give kudos because a lot of people maybe don't truly uh, understand, but Coach Jones it did an unbelievable job during this transition. And he has been there. He has been helping our team. He was in the box at the state game 
and he continues to care about the Kimberly athletes and he has been helping our program. So huge kudos to coach Jones doing everything he can to make sure that the makers continue to have success. Yeah. I think, um, you know, and this could be a podcast on its own, just on the, you know, the transition and, and just everything that, that your coaching staff was able to do. Um, and, and that wasn't an easy role to step into Definitely at, all, not. at all, you know, and, 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 you know, following, you know, people that are successful, um, that's, that's, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. And not only for, you know, the coaching staff with, with the turnover, but huge kudos to our kids. Yeah. Here you talk about resiliency and you talk about a strong culture for everything that the kids had to do during this transition is, is truly a testament to what kind of leaders that they were throughout the season. Well, you're a program, Dean, right? You had one all-state kid, right? Yes. Oh, that, yep. That's a program, okay? Um, and not that you don't have talented kids, but, you know what I mean? That, that's that's a program, that's a team, that's a unit. And that, you know, and again, we can talk about this all day if we want, but let's stay on task here. But um, Travis's second point was, was in choosing a college. And I, I went over that just a second ago, a little ahead of myself, but choosing your college or, or you know, getting the right fit. And, you know, Travis made a comment that I picked up on is like, he knew if he would have went down to Miami, he would have committed right away. And he would have committed for the wrong reasons, right? As an 18 year old kid, you go down to South beach, you know, you're like, Holy smokes, look at this, you know? And so I think athletes, when you're on your visits, I think it's really important to separate out and have some things that you value, that your family values, that your that you, you know your community that you're coming from value, um, so it matches with your experience. Um, you're going to know right away. I, I always tell kids this: you're going to know right away when you walk on campus if it's a right fit for you. You know, those first thirty minutes to an hour, you're going to know how you feel in your gut um, if that place is going to be a good fit for you, um, because every place is going to tell you you know, all the things you want to hear. Hey, we can provide this. Hey, we have this. Hey, we have this NIL now. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff. When you're committing to a college, it's the people that are involved and the systems that are in place. And those are the two basic things that I've always told. I tell our kids, I know Travis, that was a big thing for him. You know, the people involved in Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez um, and some of the other coaches on staff. And then, you know, does he fit into the system? And and, you know, for your family as well, you know, um, are you, I think a big thing for kids, Dean, is can your family come watch you play? You know, that, that's a big thing sometimes. And so before you go on your college visits, athletes and high school coaches, when you're educating your kids on this, get some things that are really important that are non-negotiables. Like if, if there's one, you know, if there's four or five things that are non-negotiable, and one is off, you you cross that school off your list because at the end of the day, that thing that is a non-negotiable for you as an athlete or a family, that's going to be the thing that's going to either drive you to transfer or is going to frustrate you during your career in college. Brian, I always tell kids, don't chase the t-shirt. Don't chase the facilities. You know, coaches yeah. come and go. You, you just have to make sure you fall in love with the campus. And I love that when Travis said, you know, about his advice on not taking a trip, you know, that Miami trip, because, you know, it's like one of those situations if you're shopping for something, right. And there's a 
there's a price range that you have to be in. You know, you don't go into the store that's got the most expensive stuff that you dream about wearing or having when you know that you can't afford it. Because obviously you're going to be looking at that and say, wow, I want this, I want that. So that was, I thought, pretty intelligent on Travis's part that, hey, I'm not going to bring my family here because we know the Miami weather is a lot better than Wisconsin weather. But the pride that he has in playing for his home state and having his family watch him, I think is so huge for people. Let's look at Jack Sandburn right now. You know, our, our guest. You know, it just happens. Tearing you know, it up. He, he thinks he's going to get drafted. He doesn't get drafted. So can you imagine his mindset, Brian, the dream of not getting drafted, and then he's an, he's undrafted, he's a free agent, ends up with his hometown, Chicago Bears, and he just had an unbelievable game. And he's got pride. Yeah, He's got pride from his, his area, where he lives, his team that he grew up with. Obviously a huge Bear fan. So he's playing for more than just a job. He's playing for pride as well. Well, and I think it goes back to our 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 first thing is the mentality, right? It's a team first mentality. You get the opportunity to play. You go you go and do what you got to do. Um, but I think you know the whole college scenario. Back to that, you know, it's changed so much since Travis was recruited. You know, I remember our recruiting days. You know, and. I remember, I, I, I know reading this summer, you know, various schools were spending between 250 and $300,000 a weekend on recruiting visits, you know, and I know back when we were recruiting Travis, like we had brats and burgers for lunch and, you know, yeah, maybe they went out to a, a nice dinner like Johnny Delmonico's or something like that. But I mean, the, the amount of money being spent to lure these kids in. And so I think, and with the transfer portal now, you know, you really have to have, I believe this, those non-negotiables that are values of your family that you are looking at when you're picking a school to go to. And let's talk about this for a minute, Dean. It doesn't have to be a division one school. Like if you're an athlete in high school and, and you're only looking at division one schools or you're not going to play, um, I'm here to tell you, you're making a huge mistake. I can speak from my experience. I had the incredible experience at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. And I am going to give a huge shout out to my son Cameron and his teammates at Ripon. Um, you know, nine and one, small division three school, um, time of his life this year. Um, you know, made great connections for, you know, moving into the workforce. Obviously, you know, most of these kids are not going to play um past this last game, but you know, experiences and friendships and, and lifelong relationships with coaches. Uh, that's what sports is all about. And at the end of the day, if, if your whole thing is, I'm just going to play division one, or I'm not going to play. Um, I think you're really cutting your legs off. And I think you're making a big mistake um, because you only get to play for so long. And if you have the opportunity to keep playing, you know, look at look at some of our Division three schools in in the state of Wisconsin, just UWL and and Whitewater with in in football and River Falls and Platteville and Stevens Point and Eau Claire and just across the board. There's so so many great St. Norberts, and we can go up and down the list. You know what I mean of, of schools. And so, um, don't don't cut those Division three schools off either. I know we went a little off task here, but I, I think that's really important for our, our kids and our coaches to hear. Like, 
if you're just steering your kids towards division one offers, um, your playing time gets a lot harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? At division one schools, because they're always recruiting over you. I think other two things, Brian is, you know, kids cannot understand. Sometimes parents, you know, get into my kids got these statistics and, and they should go here. And this kid got recruited and their statistics weren't as good as my son or daughter's stats. I think you have to be very careful when you look at stats. I think we get to oh, yeah. off-season awards and everybody's like, well, this kid did this and that. I remember a lot of times, you know, we've had really good teams and we've had kids out at halftime, for example, and kids aren't getting the stats because other kids are getting the opportunity to play. So you have to be very careful when you start saying, well, I got better stats than this kid and this kid's going here and I should be going there. Coaches are looking for kids that can fit into their culture as well. I remember Coach Ebel talking about at Auburn throws, not only are we looking at the ability of the athlete, maybe the potential of the athlete, but we're also looking, are they a good fit for what we're trying to accomplish with our group? And I think that is so important as well because, you know, it has to be a great fit. And I think too many times kids are chasing a little extra money but in the in the long run, it's going to end up costing them more because now your family's traveling out of state to go watch you play. So now it's just kind yeah. of like Balances AU. Out. Yeah, it, it's it's the club stuff where you're going. It's the AU that you're you're spending three, four, five hundred dollars on a weekend, and the travel costs are so much. But what is the best fit for you? You can highly attest that Cam Rippon was the place for him. No question. He's developed. He has developed friendships. It's a level that he could play. He could be um, have an outstanding career academically. It was an unbelievable fit. He's going to have friends forever, and he's going to come out of there with a degree, and he's going to be a very successful person. Sometimes individuals go at that higher level. They don't end up playing there, and then they get bounced around, and they truly don't really get that connection of being in the university for their entire career, that four or five years. Well, and then they end up back at a division three school after two or three years, right? Because they just want to play, you know, and they realize that it maybe wasn't cut out for them. I want to say one thing, Dean, you know, you talked about postseason awards and stats. Yes. And, and I want to, I, I, I've been wanting to say this and I, I try and stay off social media on some of these things. I'm going to message parents first. If you're a parent, you're cutting down another high school athlete um, on social media. Um, it says a lot about your character. Um, you know, high, you know, high school awards are handed out, and we all we all understand that everybody wants as many awards to go to their kids or to their their kids' teammates as possible. But if you do that at the expense of another high school athlete, um, I think that's absolutely garbage. Um, and I think it says a lot about your character. Um, and, and the second thing is is if you're a teammate um, of a player that you feel should be receiving an award. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know, about speaking positively about your teammates. But again, when you start cutting down other athletes in, in our state um, to, to prop up your buddy, um, if I'm a college coach and reading that, this says a lot about your character too. Um, so if you're going to go to social media and cut on a high school athlete, um, you know, who has worked his, his ass off, um, you know, because you don't know what these kids are doing. Um, I think it says a lot about the character of who you are. You hide behind a computer screen. 
things like that. These kids need to be celebrated, all of them across the board. And there's only one award for the best, you know, the MVP. And you see it, you know, in, in all sports, nobody's going to agree with who wins the MVP or the best player of the year. But at the end of the day, all these kids need to be celebrated for the accomplishments that they've done for the work they've put in. And yeah, some that our systems flawed. I'm sure they are, but I, you know, a, a guy like Travis Wilson that works his tail off to help these kids get recognized and do things like that. I, I looked at his Twitter page um, this week and he's getting just brutalized up and down by parents and athletes. I mean, come on. I mean, we got to be better than that. You know, we got to be better than that. You, you, you know, everybody doesn't get a trophy um, type of thing. And so I, that's just that's just something that I kind of was really disappointed in um, seeing some of those messages about other players in the state that had incredible years. And it's unfortunate um, that those things happen, but that's the age we live in. But just remember, athletes, anytime you put something on social media, it's viewable by everybody. And um, from a college coach's perspective, because I've done it, uh, if I read about you cutting down other people, that's going to tell me a lot about your character. It's going to make me question whether or not you're a right fit for my program. Brian, the true award, in my opinion, is the, the life lessons that all these athletes yeah. get out of athletics. And, and that's the bottom line is what kind of people are they going to be once, once they leave their athletic career? As we know, most are not going to be able to get to that next level and even play at the collegiate level. So the life lessons that they learn are by far the biggest award is that everyone, no matter what their role is on the team, can benefit from. Agreed. Um, and that goes on. Now let's talk with Coach Bierbauer here. Dean, he talked about work ethic. Um, and, you know, we're speaking about a lot of kids that work really hard. Um, he talked about how working on the farm, you know, growing up. And I think – you know, we spent a lot of time with him talking about that farm lifestyle, about hard work, about doing chores and things like that. But I think it can really be, you know, spread out to how you grow up, um, you know, what's expected of you, what, you know, what, what standards did, did your family hold to you, you know, growing up. Um, but I really think that that hard work mentality growing up as an athlete um, really, you know, seemed like it influenced John's coaching career because that's what everything is based on. And let's be realistic. Like if you don't work hard, okay, your, your career is going to get cut short. Um, and that's as a coach, that's as an athlete. If you're not constantly, you know, being consistent, sharpening your iron, I guess, as everybody wants to say nowadays, uh, your career is going to end a lot sooner than it should. Yeah, John, you know, there's no substitute for hard work. And, no. and John is a worker. And that's why, you know, that McHenry Strength Program and, and their school has had so much great success. He's relentless. He's always trying to get better. When we saw him speak at the NHSSCA clinic last year, uh, he did an unbelievable job. And you could just tell his passion to, to not only help athletes, you know, get better in the weight room, but just overall in every aspect, social, mental, physical, everything. And, you know, that work ethic, I think, is huge. I'm very fortunate to work with Coach Mangan, who grew up on a farm. Mango. And Coach Mangan, yes, his his work ethic is incredible. And, and he's constantly, I, I cannot, you know, describe, you know, what he did just in this week to get our kids to be able to, to perform at their, at their best level. I mean, 
before school, after school, just going up and beyond the call of what a, a normal coach does. And I think that starts from at home. You know, parents, if you want to give your son or daughter a competitive advantage, teach them that work ethic. You know what? Model the work ethic. Be a mentor. It, I think it's very important because we lost that farm. We lost, A lot of kids don't do chores anymore. And Coach Bierbauer kind of talked about that. But I was – you know, in a unique situation, my grandparents owned the farm and I worked for a dollar an hour when I was in middle school in the summer. And, and the whole reason why my mom would have me go down there and work wasn't just because I needed a little extra spending money, is she was teaching me along with her her father what it needs, what you need to do work ethic-wise if you want to be successful. And it wasn't about you know, getting that extra money it wasn't about wasting some of my summer vacation. It was giving me the tools to help me be successful that I learned. And it was hard work. We were splitting wood. We we were picking stones. We were bailing hay. It was very difficult work. And the reward was eating whole foods, having a big breakfast, and then coming in and lunch. You know, I looked forward to having lunch. And just eat as much as I could for lunch because you were so hungry because you were working so hard in the fields. And then having that great dinner. And then the work ethic of getting up at 4.30 in the morning because stuff had to get done. Right. So, you know, your family was depending on you. People were depending on you to get something done throughout the day. And to this day, Brian, I'm a morning person. You know, yeah. and I know you are as well. We're texting each other at 5 o'clock in the morning and I have to get my workout in early before I start my work day, my teaching day, because at the end of the day, something always comes up and then I can't get it in. So my appointment is getting that workout done right away. So that farmer mentality, we as strength and conditioning coaches, because we lost it, bring it back into the weight room. And it's part of our culture. And it really helps kids be very successful. When I think, Dean, I didn't grow up on a farm, but, but my mentality with you know my kids is and it's it's pretty much like a team mentality hey if the grass needs to get cut and i ask you to cut the grass cut the grass i'm not paying you to do it you know just something that needs to get done around the house you know if we need to shovel like we live in wisconsin hey i need you to shovel or if i need you to you know you know empty the dishwasher or or do this so i like i don't pay my kids to do stuff around the house but my kids also know that if they need something you know then i reciprocate and so, you know, I'm not a big, hey, I'm going to pay you to, to cut our grass. No, you, you're part of the family. You know, this is something that needs to get done. Um, you do it because I believe, you know, as it carries over in their sport, they're going to understand, hey, if somebody needs to run down on special teams because, you know, our, our top guy got hurt, hey, I'm going to jump in and do it. You know, because hopefully at some point then I get rewarded in some way, maybe I get more playing time because I'm the guy that jumps in. You know, and so that's how I view the life lessons of work around the house is that, hey, if it needs to get done around the house, everybody helps. Everybody pitches in just like you would, you know, on Friday night or during practice or things like that. So, you know, we don't, you know, my kids didn't grow up on a farm, but they understand the value of pitching in for the for the good of the whole, you know, the the unit around the house. Um, and so that's how we go about that. And I think, you know, it, teaching your kids sometimes that to, to just help is okay. Like they don't have to get paid every time they do something that helps out the family. Um, I, I think that you're teaching kids that, 
that the only the, the only time that you do anything is if you get something in return, you know, versus doing something for someone else. Because Dean, we know that the more you help other people, the more you get back in return. Look at you and Coach Mangan. How much extra do you guys do for that that program? You know, and so many other coaches, how much extra? And the reward is what happened on Friday night, right? You get to watch, you get to be a champion and things like that. And, and so I think the mentality of doing things for others, um, not complaining, right? You, you know, it doesn't, doesn't always work if you're like, hey, can you cut the grass? No, just go do it, you know, and then, and then step forward and things come back to you. Right. I think as a parent, I don't think rewarding your individual, your son or daughter of, you know, postseason accolades. Right. For example, if you're first team all conference, you know, you're going to get this or that. Because oh, no. none of that is or totally grades? out of your control. No, no totally out of your control. <laughs> if you're yeah. a parent and you're trying to help motivate, you know, be in a situation where you reward them for consistency. That, you know, they are worried about the process and not the outcome. Because many times the outcome isn't guaranteed. No. It's never guaranteed. And I've seen some kids say, well, I'm trying to be all conference because I get $100 or or this and that. And I always look at them and say, that's the wrong thought process. That's the wrong thought process. You should just be focused on winning the day, getting better every day, being consistent and controlling the process. Don't worry about the out outcome. We're constantly telling our athletes, hey, we want to win the day. We want to get better, you know, be consistent. I always say, don't break the changes. Every day you're doing something to get better. And whatever happens at the end, hey, you can live with yourself. Win or lose that game on Friday, I was very content knowing that I did everything I could as a coach to prepare our kids to the best that I could. Right. And whatever that outcome would have been, hey, we got to move on. We just happened to be lucky. And it ended up being fortunate that we were the champions that game. Well, you weren't lucky. You weren't lucky. Um, the last dog, come on with the lucky. Um, the last thing is that mind muscle connection that John talked about, you know, the mental approach, you know, being confident in the way you're at. It's just such a, I mean, it's, it, it's, it has to happen. Like you can't step under the bar um, you can't grab a new weight that you've never done before without the right mental approach, right? We talk about it all the time. Yeah, so important. You know, when we went and saw Queen Bee and West Side Barbell and they were going over to Mind Muscle, I was just, you know, my 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 wrist was cramping up for writing down so many notes because it was just their mindset is is so extreme. And to try to bring that into a middle school athlete's mind or a high school athlete's mind. It is a very difficult struggle, but coach Bierbauer talks about that. He's an educator like myself we're, and we're in a school system. And we talk about how important exercise is and physical activity, not only for the, the body, but the brain. And we've seen this during our COVID situation with the pandemic that, you know, the situation where we're more mental health is, is happening right now with depression and, in all this, these mental health issues. So it's so important. Your health is your wealth. And we always tell individuals that every day. And you see more and more about that. And it is so important for 
kids to understand that because we want to set them up for success for life. And that's what exercise teaches. I always say exercise is the best medicinal practice. Correct. Well, and I think too, Dean, that's going to lead right into our next guest that we'll be having on next week, right? Which is a, you know, talk about the mental approach and the mental side of training um, and, and different things that are a little bit more new age that, that some different schools are doing. So dog, one more time, huge congrats. Um, you know, I, I know that you had a couple of days here to kind of decompress. I know you said you slept about 10 hours, 11 hours the other day. Um, you know, just a true testament to the program. Fox Valley throws. What do we got? Yeah, Fox Valley throws. Uh, we will be starting back up winter sessions on January 8th. So we have eight sessions and a lot of people are signing up already. We're super excited to offer that for people that want to get a head start on their track season before you know <laughs> it'll be March 5th and track will be starting mm -hmm. up. And obviously sports advantage. Uh, for those of you that are listening, we will have our Black Friday sales coming up. Uh, those will start on Wednesday. Uh, those will go through Cyber Monday. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to save between $50 to $300 on your memberships uh, for 2023. Uh, our Oconomowoc location, for those of you follow our, our, that follow us on, on Instagram, please give our Sports Advantage Oconomowoc site a follow. Uh, we're kind of really trying to show the updates daily on that facility. Uh, it's going to be an incredible location. Uh, we're very excited about uh, the outreach we've gotten from, from the families in the Heartland, Oconomowoc, West Dallas area. Uh, so we're really excited about that. That's going to end it. Oh, it's not going to end it. Hold on. Go ahead. Fire it, dog. One thing I just want to add, Brian, is we got Thanksgiving coming up here. And just make sure everybody is very thankful for their situation. And um, I always... We, we would just when we won the previous state championships, there was an unbelievable coach at DC Everest, Wayne Steffenhagen, was always there to text me. And coaches out there, make sure you thank your mentors, you know, make sure you're very thankful. Athletes, make sure you're thankful for your family, your parents, your coaches, and just reach out to people. It's I've lost some people. Coach Malin was a huge mentor of mine. And again, Coach Stefan Hagen, you know, and I, I just was going through my many texts after the game. And I, I thank everybody for, for reaching out because it just means so much after the game. When you sit there and boom, you look at your phone, you got 50 messages there. And it, it took me a long time. And people that are in the club, Fox Valley Throws Club, message me past players, past coaches that I've worked with. Because just make sure you're very thankful for everybody in your life. and. I think it's very important that you do that because sometimes there's a situation and those people are no longer there and you wish you would have been thanking them many more times and appreciate what they have done to help you become the person that you are. And I know I'm constantly appreciating you, Brian. And uh, I missed that text from coach Stefan Hagen because he was always right there. Yeah. And I know um, people in DC Everest coach Rasmussen's helping with their strength conditioning program. And he's doing an unbelievable job. So everybody have a great Thanksgiving. And the, the thankfulness is definitely first, but we got to feed, right? We got to feed on, on Thanksgiving now. So make sure you're doing that. That's going to end this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. And I'm going to give you a woo for Coach Manch as he's closing in on Ric Flair. Chop it.